Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 118 of Cincinnati. Yes, we're back. And uh, yeah, we're, 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 you know, it's the, the day after the night before the championship games. It's two weeks to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, my mum got vaccinated yesterday. I hope everyone else out there is staying safe and starting to get their uh, elder relatives uh, along to the vaccination centres and um, yeah there's I wouldn't say I mean it's obviously still pretty dark out there but uh, hopefully there's a little bit of uh, light at the end of the tunnel and we will be uh, providing more light at the end of that tunnel with these podcasts and lots more stuff which I'll talk about a bit later on uh, we also have a fantastic special guest today it's, it's Bengals starting tight end Drew Sample, number 89. He's coming up a bit later, so do stick around for that. It's a fantastic chat. Uh, what a lovely man he is. Uh, joining me, as ever, is my partner in crime. Um, not sure which crime. Crimes against podcasting, I think, probably. It's Nathan Palmer, everybody. I'll tell you what, son. For it being the end of January, you started this podcast off <laughs> with a lot of pizzazz. You know, there's a lot of lockdowns. It's all a bit of a sinister time at the moment, but... You wouldn't know it by your chirpy tone on this podcast, my lad. Do you want to know why? Go on. Uh, I've just had like half a can of like full fat Coke and I'm absolutely <laughs> off my tits. I don't normally drink Coke uh, or caffeine that much. So, um, yeah, if I do, let's start dancing or something during the podcast. It's it, that's it's a performance, performance enhancing substance. I know. Podcast. I'm going to have to get tested before each podcast, I think. Uh, <laughs> How are you, my son? As you would ask me. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. I mean, it's a bit of a bit of a dull time at the moment, and I think everyone's just sort Speak of speaking for to yourself. Tread water. I'm absolutely on the table here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's all right. I've done dry January, um, which has been fairly fairly dull. Um, lost some weight, which has been good. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I do really miss the Bengals at the moment. I think that's some. I think everyone will agree on that. It's even if they're losing, it gives you something to do on a Sunday evening, doesn't it? And it's, uh, you know, it's something for everyone to enjoy and um, easily accessible on a Sunday night. So I'm missing that at the moment. Obviously, some good football being played. I watched that uh, Green Bay um, game last night against the Bucks, mm. which was excellent. Yes, uh, was. Really high standard of football. Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks going toe-to-toe. Um, and it went down to the wire, so that was very much enjoyable. But um, did you catch that, Sam? I did, yeah. I, it was a thoroughly enjoyable game. How it, much older? I was thinking about this when I was watching the uh, game. How God, much older than me. Tom Brady are you? Fun, uh, what am I? He's 43. Four, yeah, four years older than him. Because he's not far off your age, the geezer. He's not, and he's to be honest, in terms of athletic prowess, he's got some way to go to catch up to me, I think. <laughs> uh, he couldn't do what I do on the football field, frankly. I don't think do you, Would you guarantee you're could. a better football, like soccer player than him? Would you guarantee it? Oh, you're yeah, pretty, I've seen doubt. you play. You're pretty tasty with a ball at your feet. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could, that's one thing I reckon I can have him on. He'd be quicker than you, though. Well, 
I don't know. Yeah, probably. He's bigger yeah. and stronger, but you technically yeah, all right, all right. not better than him, though. No. Yeah, technically. He's bigger, stronger, more attractive, got a more attractive wife, <laughs> a better life, earns more money. Uh, uh, apart from that, I am he couldn't better take at everything a dead else. Ball free kick though from the edge of the box and he stick couldn't. it in the top bin though, could he? No, he couldn't. He couldn't actually. Uh, as you could. To, that used to be my speciality. I have to say, I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you. I can imagine you a bit of a sort of like like uh, like a Candraver, you know, um, <laughs> sort of like dub like two footed player. Dinks the ball around, yeah. not much pace, but just got like, you know, really like. I did have used to. Uh, Nathan, I'm 47, and when you saw me play, <laughs> I was. My knees were shot to bits, but uh, if I were able to trade my knees from like when I was about 16, 17, I think you'd see some some sneaky pace there. Well, I hope so. I mean, I, you, <laughs> you know, when we, can all, <laughs> when we can meet up again over the Heath Sun, I'm going to. I'm going to put you to put you through your paces again. Oh Lord, that might be for a while, but uh, yeah, I've got time to get back in shape after this lockdown uh, excess I've put on. Let's talk about the football. Yes, it was a very good game, wasn't it, between the Packers and the um, and the Bucks, and it was interesting because it really was toe to toe for a while, about up until half time, wasn't it? And then, uh, it, you know, uh, there were, I think there were two turnovers that Green Bay committed either side of half-time. And you kind of thought, that's it, you know, there's no coming back from this. But they did manage to uh, come back. Uh, Tom Brady, who had a fantastic first half, I thought, um, had a few mind storms in the second half, didn't you think? He threw some... Yeah, he looked like... only had three picks, didn't he, in mm. the game. And it, towards the end, you felt like the Bucks had it sewn up. I mean, when they, they got that turnover at the start of the second half, immediately put the ball... Uh, in the end zone, and you just thought, God, they got a right, you know, a bit of daylight between themselves and the Packers now. But there was a, a couple of I mean, some of the picks. I think Brady looks a little bit off in the second half, but I mean, some of the picks, you know, there was that one that Mike Evans po- probably should have had that went straight into the arms of the safety. Um, but I think overall, he did enough to win Brady, didn't he? He played yeah. over the course of the game. I think he managed it quite well. And I always think as well, in the playoffs, you see defences step up. I just think you, what you see in the regular season, when when the fire is on and you're in the, one of these title games, you do see the level of ferocity on those defences just notch up a level. And I think full credit to both defences because you're playing against Aaron Rodgers, who's just an absolute animal, and obviously Tom Brady, who's been there, done it all before, doesn't phase him. And I thought both defences, actually, it was a very good game, back and forth. Obviously, some points were scored, but I did think that it wasn't... I mean, you all just expected Aaron Rodgers to just march down the field at some point mm. um, and well, just he, win that game, well, as, he, almost as he loves did. to do. He almost did. Um, yeah. And that came down to that very strange decision by Matt LaFleur to... Um, not go for it for uh, on fourth. I think it was it was fourth and goal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think those decisions are really difficult now because there's that trend towards just being ultra aggressive, mm. and every it's the new thing in the NFL, isn't it? You just go for it on fourth down, never punt unless you're in like fourth and fifteen or something yeah, silly, yeah. and don't kick field goals. And I think there's. Don't get me wrong, if there's a fourth and one and you're really backing yourself to make it and you're around midfield, you know, I'd be up for going for it. But I do think you have to sort of, I'm not saying I'm old school like Marvin Lewis style, but I do think sometimes, you know, you can, 
overthink it a bit and be a bit too aggressive. I mean, in some ways, mm. you could argue the opposite, that you're being aggressive by being defensive because you're yeah, putting the yeah. trust in your defence rather than the offence. It doesn't mm. mean that, you know, you're still trying to win the game. It's just what are you, you know, who are you gambling on to win it for you? And I think mm. that in the case of the Packers yesterday, they said, look, we're going to be aggressive here on the basis we really strongly think that our defence is going to get them three and out, Give put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands, and he's going to walk down the field and win it for us. That was the game plan. Now, you know, if they'd gone for it and been aggressive on fourth down and goal, you get nothing out of it. You're eight points behind. I think it was about fourth and six or fourth and mm. seven as well, about seven yards back. So it's a difficult play. You know, certainly not. You're probably under 50% chance of making it. And then if the Bucks get the ball, you've got to go the length of the field, score a touchdown and convert a two-point conversion even to take it to um, to overtime. So mm. I... I I can understand both arguments. It's a you can you can see why he made the call. You can see why a lot of people would have argued that he should have gone for it. But I think it's I think some of the criticism on him is slightly harsh. Yes, I think so too. There's a I still I absolutely agree. There's still a lot to be said for sort of good old fashioned special teams and and flipping field position and putting pressure on the opposing offense. I just think the the magnitude of the situation and the time as well. Time was against, you know, if, if, if there was in the five minutes, a couple of minutes to go, I think you could have made a, a proper argument for kicking the yeah. field goal there. Yeah. Um, but with only like, what was it, three or four minutes to go, it's a big ask, isn't it, against someone like Tom yeah. Brady. Leonard Fournette was starting to run the ball a little bit better uh, throughout that half. Um, even and I guess Matt Lafleur just thought, look, we've had this. Uh, Brady's not had a a great half at all, mm. and their offense offense has sputtered this half. So we've got them. So I guess that's what he was thinking. But when they get, I mean, how many times have we seen it when the when the big big game is on the line? Tom Brady comes up, and yes, you know, you can argue about the late flag on the pass interference and you can argue about the rest performances throughout the whole game yada 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 but I mean I wouldn't want to put the ball in Tom Brady's hands to do anything with a couple of minutes yeah. to go would you? No absolutely and I, and I think it's interesting now how the game has moved on a little bit with those sort of two minute type of offense because in the past certainly five six seven eight years ago if you're in that situation as the Bucks were yesterday and the Chiefs were in this situation similarly a week or two ago against the Browns, the classic formula is you run the ball three times, make the other team burn their time out or run the time off the clock. And if you don't get it, you punt it. If you get it, you win the game fine. Teams are starting to go against that approach and now throw the ball. You saw Kansas City do it. Those sort of high percentage throws on the rollout, get someone open, yeah, keep yeah. them in bounds, complete the pass. You don't risk uh, throwing the interception and the defense can't necessarily stack the box as much to stop the run. Mm, mm. And you saw Tom Brady do it yesterday on that first pass. I think he hit, I can't remember who it was over the middle, but got nine yards. And all of a sudden the Packers were a bit like, shit, what do we do here? Do mm. we got a, I think they deliberately jumped offside to sort of give them the first down. Yeah, um, that was that forward, was a really is, interesting play by them, I thought. Yeah, and quite smart because obviously if you're the um you know, if you're the Bucks in that situation, you could sort of sneak it, maybe not even get the first down to set yourself up a third and in inches or something, which would just shred the time off the clock. So it is interesting to see teams do this. Now I guarantee you at some point a team 
similar to the situation we were in against the Steelers where Jeremy Hill fumbled the ball, yeah. that you're going to see at some point someone be too clever, be too aggressive, throw the ball on a down like that, and it's going to be picked off and returned, and they're going to be absolutely hammered mm. for not just taking the easy option of just running the ball, um, you know, playing playing the sort of defensive or aggressive, however you want to look at approach, or running the clock, playing field position, that more sort of traditional approach. But it's very interesting to see, though, the way that the game is developing to be, um, you know, certainly more risk-taking in that respect. Indeed. I must uh, give a shout-out to um, Shaquille Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul on the edges, who was causing havoc, excellent. absolute havoc. Yeah. They've got a really filthy linebacker core as well. Um, the uh, Bucks, uh, Devin White and yeah. uh, Levante David, brilliant stuff. Uh, and yeah. I think actually, even though it was toe-to-toe, a lot of points scored, there were some big, big plays on uh, on defence, wasn't there? Absolutely. And, and that's that, where, that and that's where that... I think the Bucks might have a chance against the Chiefs. I mean, I don't think they will. We'll talk about that next week, but... If they're going to have a chance, that defense is 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 got to play like last night, basically. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? When you make big plays on defense, it makes the whole game and the you know it takes so much pressure off the offense. That start that play at the start of the second half, the Packers trying to get something going, and you get a turnover like that, you start give you you know you give the keys to Tom Brady and say, look, you're starting this half with the ball inside the ten yard line, off you go. I mean, it just makes everyone's life so much easier. Game-changing play, that. Mm. And that's something for the Bengals that I think we lacked this season was real, like, impactful scoring plays on defense. Winning the turnover battle. It's just such a key ingredient. I mean, we had our moments, but you're right. We did. We did the turnover battle. I think when we won those games towards the back end of the year, that's what we did. We looked after the football, and we actually did call some plays up with the Steelers mm. and stuff mm. like that that you just flip the field you make life easier for your offense um mm. yeah it's a, again it's a it's not reinventing the wheel but it is just such an integral part of winning yeah and it, uh, and it, and it just team. shows you what happens when you can get a pass rush going um yeah um right let's get on to the AFC championship game um I think a lot of people were rooting for the Bills, weren't they? The the kind of underdog. There is a lovable s- underdog. The similar sized market to to the Bengals. A lot of connections between the two teams. Uh, a lot of people uh, really loving Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. And uh, personally, I think uh, Stefan Diggs is my favourite receiver in the league. Actually, you love a bit of Stefan. I do. I've always loved him since he, you know. While he was at Minnesota, I thought he was really good, but he's just stepped it up this year. And what a connection he's got between. Yeah. Um, and you did wonder where, what would happen if that connection was broken. And uh, we found out last night because the Chiefs kept Stefan Diggs pretty quiet. And the Chiefs were, well, they were the Chiefs, weren't they? I mean, Travis Kelsey, amazing. Tyreek Hill, some of the stuff that he was doing last night. Incredible. Mahomes was, Mahomes, that little underarm shovel pass. For a touchdown was great. I mean, they're just so much fun to watch. And frankly, scary because you kind of think, how the hell are we going to stop yeah. this? If we if we aspire to become uh, an AFC Championship winning team, to go to the Super Bowl, how the hell are we going to get anywhere near uh, the Chiefs? Um, but I mean, I didn't stay up for the game. Did you? 
No, I didn't. I didn't stay up for it. But it's a great point. What you the point you make about that? Because I remember we played the Chiefs about two years ago, oh, and don't. I remember we got our absolute <laughs> asses handed to us, spanked on prime yeah. time as well. And I, I would argue that now they're you know they're probably a better team than they were then. Um, Kelsey and Hill. I mean, there was basically no other offense on the night apart from those two in the receiving game. I mean, they had about two, about 300 yards between the two of them. And you got Hill's just relentless <laughs> speed that stretches the field. And obviously Kelsey, just such a sure handed, um, strong, big guy and down the middle. So yeah, they're, they're a force. And you've obviously got Andy Reid game planning. Who's been there, done it all before himself. Excellent play caller. You got Eric Bieniemy, who's obviously highly, mm-hmm. um, but again, Hunt looks as though he's not going to get a head coaching gig this year, which is so surprising to me. Yeah. You just, well, I suppose it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you, you wonder how much of it is his invention or how much of it is Andy Reid's. But even then, you'd say, look, that time spent around Andy Reid and yeah, learning yeah. that offense and stuff would hold him in good um, good stead to go to another yeah, team and implement yeah. it. But I guess, you know, when you have got people as talented as Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, even the Edwards Hilaire and stuff like mm-hmm. that, they have got a good team around them. So, you know, you could make the argument, well, it's a product of the talent there rather than the game planning or whatever else from the enemy standpoint. But that that's just, I, I'm very, like, as you said, I'm very surprised that his name hasn't been, because, you know, it, within all... Um, likelihood he should have probably got a job last off season, let alone this one. So yeah, that is definitely a surprise. I mean, maybe he interviews badly or, you know, who knows, but it doesn't come across as a sort of guy that would interview, interview badly. So he always comes across as a really nice guy, quite charismatic, pretty down to earth. Could he be the Bengals' new head coach next year? I wonder. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I don't he'd know. Certainly, be the hot favourite if. Taylor oh, absolutely! Was yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, actually, I want to. I want to give props to uh, again a couple of defensive players who I thought were terrific last night. Um, Chris Jones and uh, Frank Clark were just in Josh Allen's face all the time. The pressure that Josh Allen received last night was just incredible, and. Uh, Chris Jones and Frank Clark sound like two geezers you see down there, sort of the dodgy <laughs> local, didn't it? Hello, Frank. How you doing? All right, Frank. How you doing? All right, mate. Yeah, Chris, come and sit down here. That's supposed to be Cockney. Um, yeah, um, yeah. They 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 were just fantastic last night. And again, two big name players, but they they. I think you mentioned this last week. They. The big names tend to have another gear somewhere. They can reach hundred percent, reach down deep to to produce something that is out not out of the ordinary, but just on another level. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, that's what that's what you want your players to to kind of tap into. God knows how you do it, but um, those guys were terrific last night. But again, as I said earlier, uh, I think the overriding um, feeling. That uh, while watching the the forty minute uh, compressed version of the game on my lunch break uh, this uh, t- th- this afternoon was how the hell are we going to get to that level that the Chiefs are at at the moment? And it doesn't happen overnight, I know. But this is our Andrew Dockerell who sent a message today. He said, "I spent most of the last night wondering how the hell the Bengals stopped the Chiefs." Here's what I got. Bates is your high safety all game. His job is to crash hard on the speed crosses from Hill and Hardman. Von Bell, Logan Wilson have to find a way to double Kelsey. Edges need to hit him off the snap. 
Got to trust Reader and Co. to win the run battle. Lawson has to get Mahomes backing up. He still has the arm talent to get it over you, but it makes it harder. But yeah, blimey, being a DC against that offence, guess you just wait till the cap destroys that team. But when a team is that good, players will take cuts for the rings. Yeah, it's kind of like good luck, everyone, isn't it, really? Let's face it. Um, yeah, I mean, but you made some Chiefs nice points like there. The, the Chiefs... Go on, Sam. No, just going uh, real quick. Of course, Leslie Fraser, who is one of Marvin's big mates and was indeed uh, the Bengals' defensive coordinator from 2003 to 2004, is very experienced, is a good coach. Uh, and, you know, when someone like Leslie Frazier can't work out how to stop the Chiefs... Um, it's, it's very difficult for everyone else, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the Chiefs are one of those teams that, you know, they're the bookies' favourite for a reason, like heavy favourite as well. And you looked around the league and you looked at teams like the Bills who were playing really well. Josh Allen was in the discussion for the MVP. You've got those quality players like Stefan Diggs, Colby's, he's having a fantastic mm, season. Mm. And obviously they've got a very stout defence as well. And you really thought, I think a lot of people really did feel that the Bills could go in there and cause the Chiefs some trouble. I think people thought maybe the Browns could cause the Chiefs some uh, trouble and they absolutely did, obviously with Mahomes going out um, during that game. But you watch the Chiefs and they do have that extra gear. And I think that there's a reason they're such heavy favourites. you just got such raw quality talent paired with really experienced high caliber game planning and I think they're going to be a real handful to stop and as Andrew says the cap may well destruct them um, with you know some of their staff star players moving on and obviously there's only so many of them that you can actually pay but until that happens or if they do take potential pay cuts or can manage the cap quite effectively and work around that they are with Mahomes and Andy Reid as a combination um, they are going to be a very very difficult team to stop moving forward. Yeah, I mean, they've got a bit of everything. They've got speed. They've got, as you say, raw, raw speed. They've got uh, uh, a mismatch-making tight end. They've got good pass rushes. They've got good cornerbacks. They've got a steady offensive line. They've got, you know, a, a, a solid running back uh, room. And they've got someone like Mahomes who just does things that you wouldn't expect that just surprise you every game, really. So they're, they're very difficult to stop. But, of course, Todd Bowles is an excellent defensive coordinator and he's got that Bucks defence playing nasty and, and full-on. So, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the Super Bowl. I think it could be a good game. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Chiefs will go in as the hot favourite. Obviously, Tampa Bay have got the uh, the beauty that it's in their hometown, so it's effectively for them a bit of a home game, which would be nice. Um but it's going to be Bra the experience of Brady against the f pure talent and raw um, ability of someone like Patrick Mahomes. Be a good game. There's no doubt about that. I don't think either team will go out there and completely destroy the other one. I think Tampa Bay's defense will do their absolute utmost to stop uh, Mahomes of the Chiefs. And obviously Bruce Aarons, very smart, experienced coach himself, has been there uh, before with the Steelers and won a Super Bowl. So he'll have some thoughts about how he can stop um, Andy Reid and I think it'll be an excellent game Indeed but let's get to our beloved Bengals Drew Sample is coming up in about 10 minutes time uh, there was a little bit of news coming out of PBS last week after the flurry of um, 
Position coaches hired the week before, uh, former Cowboys running back coach Gary Brown, uh, I believe was interviewed either at the end of last week or he's going to be interviewed this week. I'm not quite sure whether that's happened yet. And uh, he's very highly rated. Again, he sounds like a a mate of Frank Pollack. Uh, He was the, as I say, the ex-Cowboys running backs coach. He worked with Zeke Elliott and worked with Frank while he was there. Uh, And, of course, that was when Dallas had a really good run game. So I know that uh, position coaches don't float to your boat or tickle your fancy, Nathan. Um, but again, they seem to be looking in the in the right places. I think he, he's got a good resume and uh, he's got good experience as well. I say so sounds good. <laughs> All right, okay, let's That's move. Is it how in the NFL you have this sort of understanding, and we're really keen on whoever comes in in these assist, uh, assistant positions in different areas of the club, but. In soccer, English football, whatever you want to call it, you have no idea really. Obviously, you might know no, the assistant no. manager is, but you've got absolutely no idea what the competency is of most of the fitness coaches or the dietitians or the physios <laughs> or that all obviously in some way, shape or form contribute to the success of the team. But it's just not something that's really on your radar. Is Even most clubs don't know too much about their assistant manager and what they're doing. And you'd never be like, well, I reckon the assistant manager's problem for the team you know what I mean it's weird isn't it you just only focus on the head coach yes that's right um, that's right it's completely different isn't it yeah I guess it's just a different game in terms of structure of squad and what has yeah to be it's put more out there and, yeah 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 but no let's let's see what happens with Gary Brown um the big news that uh, came out of PBS from the last week the Bengals uh, social media team put out something very cryptic can't remember what it was. I think it was the day after the inauguration, wasn't it? The US presidential inauguration, and uh, there were lots of Bernie Sanders memes knocking about. Um, and it looked as though they were going to drop some big news, and then later on that day they did. And for the for the first time since two thousand and four, they're going to be changing uniforms in twenty twenty one which is pretty big news, really, for fans especially, I think. Um, how did you greet that? Are you excited? Because there was a flurry of, like, you know, these guys that uh, do these design concepts, these uniform concepts. Suddenly they came out of the woodwork and threw all their designs out onto social media and everyone was chatting about what they wanted and what they want to see. Um, it looks as though they're not going to be changing the helmet. The helmet is the holy grail, so to speak. I always say that late at night. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. That's, that's outrageous, you um, <laughs> Is it just you that says that or anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> it's just me, sadly, uh, at the moment. Um, lockdown takes a toll. Um, yes, um, helmets are staying the same, by all accounts. Paul Dana came out and said that uh, it's going to be minimal changes. But then, you know, lots of people were discussing things uh, about what they'd like to see and, you know, we want the stripes, we want the, you know, more bold stripes, we want the side panels gone, we want this, we want that. Um, It's interesting, though, first time in, like, 16 years or so, it's... um, um, it's going to be a big change in the uniform. It's it's kind of an odd one to get your head around, actually. I think because you get so used to to seeing the uniforms, and then the colour rush came in about was 
think it was about two, three years ago, wasn't it? About three, it might be three, four years ago, actually, the, the Colour Rush uniforms. And they were a big hit. And I certainly love the Colour Rush uh, uniforms. Um, what do you think, Nathan? What Are you excited by this? Are you expecting big change? Would you like big changes to the uniform? Um. I think I'm excited by it. I think it's well overdue. Um, There's some really nice concepts out there as well. Like Mm. I've seen some really cool looking designs out there from some of the guys on Twitter, um, which get you quite excited. They're very, they're sort of moving towards this very like modern sort of slick, um, almost a bit like, you know, how the Rams have got those like insanely colorful sort of really like. I don't like them though. I, I'm about the only person that does like them. I really don't like their away kit as well. It's like this dirty, it's like something like a white t-shirt that's gone in the wash with, with an accidental, (laughs) you know, something else. And it's come out all gray and i know that i know that i don't like that one no. yeah i know what you mean about that one but the white one i think is quite smart with the sort of blue number on the back the sort of like bits sort of text you mean the blue one cool. the blue one with the white numbers on or you mean the home yeah kit? sorry that one. Yeah. yeah there's one they've got that looks quite it's a bit like in your face and it's quite you know a bit heavy colored but i quite yeah. like that um but i think the bengals have needed it for a while i mean it, you could almost make an argument it's slightly sinister because you've had joe burrow um, come in obviously last year from a marketing perspective everyone's mm. gone out there and got their borough jerseys and now they're going to have to go out there and get them again so I'm sure the club will be doing very well out of that um, but is but, it but it's, it's, it's bred a lot of excitement I mean oh of course even yeah, with that, play I mean I think I think I think people who've already bought their borough jerseys will go back out and stra- you know <laughs> buy another jersey straight away and that's the power of, of, of if you get it right people will just want to Spend their money on your gear, you know, because it's well. I mean, the color rush thing. jerseys did exactly that. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. almost everyone will say, "Look, those color rush jerseys are stunning. They're really nice. Yeah, They're different." Yeah. Um, I would love. I know a lot of people got different views on this. Some people hate the idea of it, but I would love the idea of the white uh, helmet to go with the white uh, the white jersey. I think that would look really smart, and it would just complement it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel with the uniforms. I think you could definitely sharpen them up a bit, give them a bit of more of a modern touch. I don't think you need to do anything crazy. I think that what might be the new change might be that they the way you know you've got at the moment you've got that B on the front above yes, the numbers. Yeah. I think that's something that might make a move in favour of Cincinnati or Bengals or something like that, just yeah. to sort of freshen it up a bit. I've seen that on a lot of the concepts. Um, I think some a lot of fans want to see the return of either the tiger face or the leaping tiger from the from the ninth early ninety uh, sorry late nineties. I'm not a fan you know? of that. No, I, I'm not, I, I did mind it at the time, but I don't know if it's good enough to be brought back. Yeah, yeah I don't. Um, know. I, I think it might just be some subtle detail around the shoulder and yeah. something like that. I like as Paul Dana said, I, I can't anticipate it being anything. You know, I don't think they're going to go down the route of like a college style uniform or anything no. a bit more bold like that i don't think it needs that um and i think the one thing you desperately don't want to do if you're the bengals is for people to come out unanimously and say this is awful you know and the current i don't don't think you can though with this uniform really i mean you'd have to be really dreadful at your job to uh to bugger this up i think Uh, and actually our people out there i know what people are saying this yeah this is the bengals but no no i'm not taking that um I would like. I think I'd like to see the side panels go. I'd like to see just a flash of um, stripes on 
orange and black stripes on the on the shoulders and then sort of black the way down a bit sort of old school really i'd like to see block numbers as well deeper blacks and deeper oranges i'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with i think i think it'd be great you know i, yeah, hope, I hope it'd be great um just one more thing before we get to drew matt stafford looks as though he's on his way from detroit and um is it a surprise? I don't know. Yes, it was a surprise, I guess, because he sort of joins uh, Deshaun Watson reportedly uh, looking for a trade as well. And um, he's been a fantastic servant to the Lions. And I think he's just seen this uh, with a new, looks as though it's Anthony Lynn going to be the new head coach of the Lions as the right moment to move on, a new regime coming in. He's kind of, you know, this is the right time to move on. Uh, if he gets the right team, a contender, then uh, he he could, you know, that raw talent that he's still got, that big arm, that durability, that courageous play. I think everybody loves watching Matt Stafford play. Um, he could be trouble, I think, uh, for op- opposing teams. And again, look out Saints, look out Steelers, reports out there that 49ers are looking to, to, to get rid of Jimmy G., uh, the Jets might want something, you know, who knows? So um, it, it was an interesting, another interesting piece of news from from around the NFL, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And Matt Stafford's still got some gas left in the tank. I mean, he's yeah. 32 years old. He's still playing at a high level. He threw for over 4,000 yards this year for a Detroit team that didn't play that well by any means. Golladay was out for a lot of the year. Um, so I think that... He's got some real potential. I mean, I think if he's healthy, and I know he's, he's a very tough guy, Matt Stafford. I mean, there was a lot of times this season where I think he was suffering with an injury that he sort of battled through and, you know, managed to sort of gut it through and play. But if he lands on the right team with the right weapons, you've probably got five years of a guy that is very talented and on his day a top, I would say definitely a top 10 quarterback. Um and I think he'd be more than good enough to win a Super Bowl with the right setup around him. So he's going to be highly sought after by a lot of teams. I'm not sure what you'd have to give up for him. I mean, a 32-year-old guy, would you have to give up a first? Probably. Probably. Maybe, I don't just know. It's difficult. Just, it's hard to say, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I'm not, I've I not seen even any rumours around what people would like what he'd fetch so i'm literally talking off the top of my head i mean a first feels quite heavy for someone who's 32 but then you are landing a mm. franchise quarterback for three or four years so mm. maybe that would be the sort of price people would be willing to pay i think probably a first and then another second round pick then the year after or something like that we're talking about a franchise quarterback here that does have sort of five good years left all being well you know um yeah, it's going to be interesting this off season. Um, I think. Everybody... I hope he doesn't go to the AFC North. That'd be shit, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be terrible because uh, there's only one real team that he could go to at the moment, and that is yeah. the Steelers. And uh, I don't want him to. Basically, I don't want him to tarnish his legacy, Nathan, by joining the Steelers. <laughs> I want him to go to the Saints, uh, and because uh, he would do really well for the Saints. As yeah, well. I think him, that... him or Deshaun Watson down there would be just fantastic I just, to watch. The, the Saints, though, I mean, not to get too deep in sort of other NFL chat, but their, their cap situation is diabolical. Is it? I've not I mean, checked. They're yet, like a yeah. hundred million or something crazy over the cap, and obviously Breeze is, you know, going to be taken off of that. But I, I don't really understand. I, 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 again, I'm not one of those people. I, I sort of look at the cap and keep an eye on it, but I. 
I'm not sure unless they can restructure everyone and move a lot of money around and be very clever with it, how on earth they'd afford to pay someone like Stafford or Watson who aren't going to be, you know, by any means cheap or on rookie deals. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not quite sure how they've managed to do that long term, but I don't know. We'll see. Indeed, it makes the off-season very interesting indeed. And of course, there's a bit of, you know, there's a few, I hate this, when any, when any sort of team, instead of celebrating this guy's um, uh, play and contribution to a team for 10 years, uh, and also the bond he's got with the fans and the city and with his teammates... Um, people come out and say, oh, well, the Detroit Lions completely, you know, buggered up Matt Stafford's career as they did with Megatron and they did with with Barry Sanders. And, you know, some, some, you know, the overreaction faction with the Bengals will also come out and say that I've seen it. I've seen it on Twitter saying that we've done it to Geno Atkins. We've done it to AJ Green. And I just think that's the biggest load of I've ever heard in my life, you know. Um, the Bengals have been fairly successful with AJ Green uh, and Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and you know all those other good players that we had in that in that uh, uh, mid 2010s, you know. So I don't buy that at all. It's just I, again, why why not just celebrate a guy's contribution to a team and a city? No, they didn't win a Super Bowl, but you're not taking into account the personal pride that you have, the the personal friendships that you make on and off the field, uh, and also the contribution to the sport, the city, the team, the team's history. I, I'm not going to use that as a stick to beat us with, to be honest with. You sound like you've got a tear in your eye, my son. I have. I'm going to put some like really uh, emotional music behind there. But it really annoys me when fans come out and say that, you know. Uh, I know we haven't won a Super Bowl. I know we haven't won a playoff game in that, in that little stretch that we had. But still, um, we haven't ruined AJ Green's career. <laughs> We haven't. <laughs> you, you triggered yourself, so you, oh, mate. You I'm on it now. You, you, I shouldn't have like had that PTSD. can of coke. I shouldn't <laughs> have had that can of coke. Anyway, uh, shall I get down off my soapbox now? Um, shall we bring Drew Sample in, Nathan? <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> and here we go. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, we have uh, the brilliant Drew Sample with us, and uh, here he is, Drew. How you doing, man? Doing good, hanging in there, uh, you know, trying to make the best of everything going on right now. But doing good. Uh, we spoke off offline a little bit. You've you've welcomed a new addition to the to your family, haven't you? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, my uh, my second daughter, uh, Savannah. She's just over a month old. We had her at the beginning of December. Um, so, and then my my oldest daughter. She's uh, seventeen months now. Um, about to be 18 months. So we're, uh, we got our hands full this off season. It's fun. <laughs> keeps my, keeps my wife and I on our toes. So I bet it's been I good. Bet. Yeah. It's just nice to spend time with family though, for sure. Especially right now. So yeah, absolutely. And what is life like in the off season for you? You know, it's, it seems like a silly question to ask because it is, things are so different to what they normally, what would you be doing in non COVID times? Uh, I mean, honestly, with my newborn daughter, we'd probably be doing this even if we didn't have COVID. But I mean, we, we'd probably, you know, try to take a trip somewhere, um, you know, my wife and I either back to Washington and, you know, to see our families or somewhere a little warmer, perhaps. Um, 
but yeah, right now, I mean, we're just, we're, you know, we're at home in our house in Cincinnati and um, just trying to spend as much time as I can with them, giving my wife a little bit of a break, you know, during the season, I'm kind of, you know, she, she does a great job. She was all hands on deck. And so it's now it's kind of my turn to take over some of the dad duties. So that's always fun. What's your least favorite dad duty of them all? Would you say? I mean, I feel like the I feel like the easy one is diapers, but for me, I have trouble with the the little snaps on the little outfits. Like my, right. my youngest, <laughs> uh, she's like a month old. She's so tiny. Like all those little snaps on my big fingers, just it's it's hard to dress her sometimes. So you're like, you're like six foot five, right? So she yeah. must more or less fit in the palm of your hand at the moment. Yeah, she's she's small. It's funny though because my, um, you know, my oldest daughter Olivia, she was born. Uh, she was a month early. She was all, you know, everything was good, but she was like really small. Mm. Um, and then uh, our newest daughter, she was she's already she feels so much bigger than my first daughter was. So it's kind of funny. Like she's still really small, but just compared to our first one, it's it's funny to see the difference. Absolutely. Well, that's I mean, congratulations on the new addition. Thank it's you. Been fun being a new dad. Um. Now, if we rewind to last off-season, I remember seeing, obviously, all Bengals fans were super excited because uh, Joe Burrow had just been drafted and we're excited to see our offensive weapons with a new quarterback. And and then we saw a photograph of you, Sam Hubbard, and Joe Burrow in some sort of gym, all topless and oiled up and completely ripped. Um, sweat. That was sweat. Yeah. Uh, okay. It wasn't like some sort. Of, <laughs> it wasn't like some sort of like twenty twenty like boys calendar kind of thing. No, no, it wasn't. What? It wasn't anything of that sort. Don't worry. We, we were we were working hard. Um. On a, on a serious point, though, that must have been terrific to bond with Joe that early. Um, and I wanted to ask you about your initial impressions of Joe and because uh, he seemed to fit straight in. He, he seemed to take everything in his stride. Uh, we never really see the kind of guy he is off the field. What, what, what were your first impressions of him and what were your uh, kind of, uh, you know, was it easy to get on with him? Did you kind of get that bond straight away? Yeah, um, you know, it was nice for me because I, I worked out with Sam, uh, Sam Hubbard all offseason um, last year. And, you know, him and Joe, Joe have known each other, obviously, you know, back to their Ohio State days. And so, um, you know, when he said, hey, he's going to come work out with us, I was like, great. Like, that's, you know, that's awesome to be able to meet him, um, you know, just spend some time around him and stuff. And, I mean, Sam and I had been grinding pretty hard, you know, throughout the whole offseason and with COVID and stuff. Um, and he came in day one and just jumped right in, you know, fit mm -hmm. right in. You know, he worked his ass off. He's, you know, he's not like the loudest guy, whatever. I mean, he's just, he, he likes to go about his business. He likes to work. He likes to, you know, and that's kind of like, that's how I am. That's how Sam is. And so mm. um, it was a good fit for us for working out. And then obviously, you know, with all the COVID stuff in the off season, we didn't, no one really got to spend a lot of time with each other, you know, through OTAs or things like that. So it was just nice to, you know, spend some time with some guys, you know, outside of the football, just because we didn't have that opportunity this year. And, mm. um, it was, you know, it was great just to meet him and see, you know, how he operated. And he, like I said, he came in day one and just started working his ass off. And that's kind of what he, you know, showed throughout the season. I mean, he put in so much work to be able to be ready, you know, to start from day one. And, um, you know, that was obviously expected of him. And I think he came in and even shattered, you know, expectations. So it was really cool to see. That Your rookie first season, I think, to be fair, it was must have been quite frustrating because you were just, I mean, I think it's fair to say you were you're really starting to get hold of what the NFL was all about and making steps and making progress. And then you're injured, unfortunately. 
Um, you must have been th- well, even though the team didn't do fantastic last year, you must have been thrilled that you kept more or less injury free and you progressed yourself on a personal level last year. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think you said it like, um, you know, in the first half of my rookie year, I was, you know, it was tough in the beginning, you know, just getting used to things. Um, you know, obviously not playing a ton of snaps, just kind of going situationally. Um, you know, it's hard to kind of, you know, uh, get in a rhythm, things like that. And so I felt like that like sixth, seventh, eighth game, I was starting to, you know, feel more comfortable. And then, like you said, I had the ankle injury that, um, you know, kept me out. And so, you know, I felt like for me, I needed to have a really good off season. I felt like I did that and then be able to come in, obviously, um, you know, was expecting to play more. And, you know, I think CJ and I, had he not got hurt, had, would have played a ton together and um, we would have been able to do a lot of good things. And then he, you know, got injured. And so um, I ended up playing pretty much almost all the snaps. And so for me, it was great to be able to, you know, I feel really comfortable in our offense. I feel really comfortable, you know, I know that I can obviously play and uh, just getting that confidence, um, you know, that goes along with experience. And I think that was something I was able to do. I mean, we obviously didn't win a ton of games, but, you know, we played a lot of good teams. We played a lot of good players. And, um, you know, as the season went along, I definitely was able to felt myself growing as a player. And I think that's, you know, as long as I continue to do that, I'll, I'll be in a good spot. Drew, Drew, looking forward to next season, um, obviously, you know, talking about that, do you set yourself any personal targets? Do you have anything like yardage or touchdowns or anything like that that you're looking to build on or even looking at your blocking? Is there any like technique things you're going to work on? or like, Do you have any targets going forward, you, would you say? Yeah, there's definitely things as far as like technique and um, parts of my game that I want to work on. As far as stats and stuff like that, it's you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, for me, I don't like to set, you know, benchmarks to that just because a lot of it's out of my control. But for me, I want to just continue to grow as a player. Um, you know, there's definitely some technique things, some footwork things in the run game. Um, and, you know, even, you know, with my routes, just getting faster, being more explosive, uh, being able to get in and out of my breaks, things like that. Um, especially coming to this offseason healthy, like I feel, you know, almost the same as I did at the end of last offseason and start of this offseason. So for me, I'm already super excited just going into an offseason healthy, um, the type of, you know, things I can continue to grow and work on. And um, that's why I'm really excited for this offseason because I just, I'm coming in healthy. So we, we spoke to CJ Uzama. We had him, um, your colleague on this podcast. And we asked him about you and he said your biggest strength was your, your knowledge and, you know, understanding the plays and reading the systems. Is that something you've been working on in your game or is it something that just comes very naturally to you? Uh, you know, for me in college, I felt like, um, you know, my college coach and kind of the offense we ran, um, you know, in college just asked us to do a lot of different things. And so I think for me, um, you know, from day one of being a college tight end, just having to know, you know, fronts, coverages, things like that. I think, you know, obviously things are ramped up in the NFL, but I felt like I had a pretty good, um, you know, base baseline coming in. And then, um, you know, with Coach Casey in our room, we, we have such a high standard. It's really fun to be in there because he, you know, he as a coach pushes us. We push each other as players. And, you know, I feel like everyone's been able to grow a lot um, in our room. And so I think that's you know, I felt like I, I felt good, obviously, coming in, but, you know, I always want to learn more and continue to, you know, take those next steps. Talking about next steps, how do we fix the Bengals for next season? We've made, you know, a bit of progress with Joe Burrow um, last season. How do we turn this team into a 10-plus win team that's going to compete in the playoffs down the stretch? Do you, do you think we're close? Do you think we need a, another couple of players? Is it the offensive line? In your opinion, how do we take that next step forward as a team? I think one of the biggest things is uh, just consistency. Um, you know, I think we have a lot of good players on both sides of the ball. We got, 
you know, some big time guys that were injured, you know, we've had injuries, things like that. But for us, I think it's just consistency. You know, as an offense, we had some great games. As an offense, we had some bad games. We had some meh games, you know, and for us, it's just, I think we just need to consistently game in and game out, you know, continue to grow and build. And, um, you know, I think everyone being able to play with each other more will help with that. And, um, you know, there was games that in, we just couldn't quite finish. You know, we, we would have a bad game. The defense would have a good game. You know, we would have a good game, the defense, you know. And so I think as a team, just consistency and continuing to, you know, I guess finish games would be a huge thing for us. And and that's what's tough is because we, you know, we felt like we had some really good flashes last year. We just really weren't able to put it all together. And so, um, you know, I don't think it's like players or anything like that. I, I feel really good about the talent we have on our team. Uh, I think just, you know, putting it all together and, and being consistent with a lot of things we've been able to do, I think that'll help us. And I mean, we could jump, you know, to a good amount of wins next year. And like you said, make a playoff run. That's that's the the goal. And I think we definitely have the talent to do that. I guess the last thing for me, um, obviously, Zach Taylor's come under some criticism. There's a few uh, people out there, some for him, some against. Whenever we spoke to the players, they've always been, you know, undoubtedly behind him, giving him a lot of support. Um, what's your view on Zach Taylor? Is he a, is a good good coach for, uh, to work for? Like, how does he work you guys? And what's the chemistry like at the moment um, between him and within the locker room? I mean, for me, he's and, – and from what I know, you know, the guys, we love him. I mean, he's a player's coach. He's – you know, and, and a lot of people say, like, oh, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there about, you know, our locker room and things like that. And um, I think we have a really great locker room. I think we have a lot of veteran guys. We have a lot of young guys. we got a good mix of players. And, you know, he's just trying to bring bring everyone together. And we've obviously had, you know, some a rough two years. Um, but, you know, his door is always open. He's always open with guys. Um and he's not, you know, and for him, like he, he'll take blame. He takes criticism. He, Hey guys, I have to be better doing this. I have to, you know, it's not like, Hey, we gotta, you guys gotta play better. You know, mm. it's, we're all in this together. And that's one of the things that, you know, I like about him is he's, you know, Hey, a couple calls that game, those are on me. We have to clean up some things, you know, doing this X, Y, Z, whatever, but also I need to be better. And so yeah. as a player, you look at that and you're like, he's always trying to get better. He's always trying to improve. And that's what we're trying to do. So, um, I think it works together all very well. And, you know, um, you know, it's, he's a guy that you want to, you want to play for, you want to win, you want to win playoff games, you want to win for him because of how, you know, how good he's been to all of us. Um, and so for me and, and a lot of the guys I know, you know, we support him obviously. Um, and then it's just, it was just harder this year. There was a lot of, you know, media is kind of on the, was on the outside more than ever this year. And yeah, so there was true. a lot of different things and, and we didn't play, you know, we didn't play well a lot of games, a lot of times. And so a lot of that does fall on him. Um, and so, you know, I think we support him and we're excited, you know, the direction where the team's going. I bet you can't wait to start next season, can you? Because, I, you know, I think we've all played sports to a certain level. You obviously much higher than me and Nathan. <laughs> Although you should see my five and outs, mate. I tell you, they are pristine. My little root amazing. Um <laughs> However... Um, you know, when you lose and you've had a poorish season, uh, and especially when you, you know that you're a better team than y you are, you must be itching to get back out and just kind of like, right, I want another crack at this straight away. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. I mean, especially, you know, as a team, you know, down the stretch, we had some good games. We had a couple wins there. You know, we can feel, you know, we kind of feel what, what it looks like when we kind of put together. And then on top of that, missing a lot of, you know, key players and, 
um, you know, leaders on the team. And so, you know, obviously the last game didn't go uh, as planned, but just uh, there was definitely some things that we took from the season that, okay, we know what it feels like. We lost, you know, a bunch of close games. Uh, we were able to finish out a few games at the end. And so it felt like guys kind of started to understand, okay, what it's going to take to take that next step. Um, and then you almost just kind of run out of time. You know, you play 16, 17 games and you're like, okay, now it's just, you got to kind of reset a little bit. You got to take, you know, you got to learn from the bad stuff. You got to, you know, look at the good stuff and you got to take it all as one and going in the off season. And so, you know, for me, I'm excited to get back to work. You know, I, this, this last week, my first week back working out, just kind of easing into things, but, you know, being healthy and stuff, it feels great to do football stuff again, to catch balls, to, you know, work out, things like that. And so, um, and we don't even know what's going to go on with the off season. So then it's like, okay, we might not be back until this season. And so yeah. I know guys are, you know, itching to get back. So I'm excited to, you know, to see what the off season holds and where we can do go next year. Just some very quick fire questions for you, Drew. Um, when was the last time you spoke to Joe and how is he? He seems to uh, be like in good spirits and his knee seems to be, you know, coming along really, really well. Yeah. He, uh, he actually works out. Um, he has his trainer. He work. he, he rehabs at the stadium and then he, he uh, works out at uh, black sheep where we work out with his guy. And so um, I see him most days, you know, he's, he's coming along, he's doing, he's starting to get into, you know, some work and things like that. And um, he's doing good. You know, like I said, like, everyone said, I mean, he's, he's attacking it. You know, he, mm. he mm. wants to be back for the season. You know, he wants to be back for ready to go day one. And so, um, you know, he's, he's doing his thing to do that. And so it's, it's always cool to see, cause it's hard, like those, you know, long-term injuries, it's, it can take its toll on guys, you know, CJ, you know, had one too. Obviously we had a couple guys that had, you know, long recoveries and um, it's hard, but it seems like all the guys that we have are, are really going into it and we're excited to have them back next year. Please get down to Black Sheep, Paul. I know. Well, next time well, we go to Cincinnati, we're going down to Black Sheep. That's where all the cool, cool guys hang out <laughs> with their tops yeah, off. It's, it's a little, it's a little nicer this year. My, our, my trainer Pat, uh, the where the picture was taken last year, it was kind of in his old, his old place, and he kind of split it with a few other uh, people. But now he's in his own, own spot. He upgraded a little bit, so cool. it's, uh, it's, it's great. Yeah. You've got the VIP area, have you? That you work out? Is that it? <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. It's definitely. It's. It's a little upgrade. But you got We started from. You know, kind of not great. So at least I, I. feel better about that. Now. Okay. Well. Uh, question two. Uh, will you be posting more top? I, I'm not obsessed by this, honestly. But um, it's like. Is this the third time? We, it we've might be. Actually, this? no. Skip that question because it sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, not now, not now. Not now. Sure. Okay, right. You're feeling sound conscious now. Okay. Maybe, you send maybe. Him, Drew, you'll have to send him a signed photo, mate. I think that's what he's going for here. Okay. Hey, we, we can potentially make that happen. Okay. All we'll right. See, I gotta, I gotta look a little better, maybe, and then like, right. down the road in a couple of months, I'll. You uh, got I'll two months to get properly ripped. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Then that's it. Um, question two. We'll skip over that. That didn't count. Um. The team's getting some new uniforms. I'm not expecting you to tell us what they are. Or am I, don't, I? I don't know what they are. I'm, oh, I you don't? don't. You've not seen them? Oh, I have man. no idea. I'm just in the dark as you guys. Okay. You, you might have to ask someone a little higher up, maybe the, the pay scale. Maybe they know. But I'm, <laughs> I'm just waiting like you guys are. I'm excited. I mean, apparently we haven't had new jerseys in a long time. And so, I mm. mean, that's always fun. I love New Jersey. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, waiting any... just like you guys. Anything that upgrades like one of the most kind of distinctive and iconic uniforms in the NFL, that's got to be a good thing, right? 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm excited to see him just like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, final question, juggling. Tell us about juggling. Because I heard that you have begun juggling in the offseason. Did, did my dad tell you this? No, he didn't. He didn't tell me that. Uh, I, I tell you who it was. I listened to another podcast. That, you know, the Dan Horde uh, Bengals Booth podcast that you probably Okay, yeah. Brandon yeah. Allen was on, so blame him. And he mentioned. Oh that. yes, he did. He <laughs> he claimed he could teach me how to juggle in like three minutes, and I said, "Listen, <laughs> I watched a YouTube video on it. I'm starting it. You know, we're working on it." Uh, so how's that going? <laughs> you know, I thought it would be going a little better. The honest truth is, I've had I had a lot of you know. There's a lot of kids running around. I got you know my dog. I got a. I have tennis balls. That's probably the main issue. So I got okay. my dog and my two daughters are very enthralled by it. So I just gotta I gotta set aside a little uh, like when they go to sleep or something where I can work on it. But we're we're you know we have three balls. We're just you know it's not it's just about keeping them up in the air at the same time. Yeah, right? yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, because AJ AJ Green is uh does all that kind of stuff, doesn't he? He does that. Does really, yeah, he's like. Does he? Okay. Yeah. I literally told my family too. I was like, "Hey, like my wife, you know, she she's mm. making fun of me. Oh, it's Drew's gonna learn how to juggle." And then my brother was like, "Oh, I, everyone's like, oh, I know how to juggle." I was like, "Since when? I lived with you guys for all my life. No one knows how to juggle. I'm 99 percent sure." And then my brother sent me a video of him juggling like four oranges, like super easy. And I was like, "Okay, that's fair. I'll, I'll give that to you. Maybe you can give me some pointers when I, you know, figure it out." But yeah, so it's a work. So basically, in you've been trolled by your family. Even yes. before you started juggling, that doesn't yes. seem very. I had literally the night I started, my wife like sent him a video. I was just doing like two balls just to do it. <laughs> that's that's like step one, is you you know, and then yeah. So like I said, I'm just gonna prove them wrong. Give me a couple couple months, and I'll be I'll be good. Okay. You'll have to well, check back in with me, so I don't. Yeah. You know. Okay. Well, there's the challenge. Forget the workouts yeah. and all the rest of it. <laughs> Let's check in with you in like six months' time, to, and I'm expecting you to do like kid be doing kids parties and magic tricks <laughs> and all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. I have I have a few costumes for my daughter. I got a Santa. I got an Easter bunny. So if I can juggle on those, like I'm I'm golden. You can. Book <laughs> You're going to be like the best dad in the world, aren't you? With that stuff. <laughs> I, I'm trying. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it's going. Uh, Drew, um, we're going to finish up now. Thank you so much for the time. And once again, thank you for doing this. It really means a lot to to the fans over here and all our followers. Um, you do know that we voted you uh, the Bengals most, or Bengals UK, I should say, most improved player uh, of the year. Um, I'm not sure what, what's, what's, what do we give people who win our awards, Nathan? We haven't quite figured that out yet. We? <laughs> We're not quite on um, the budget yet to send a trophy, but maybe that's in the all right. <laughs> I appreciate, I appreciate the thought, you know, I, I appreciate that. You know, that means a lot. I know you guys watch everything. So that's, that's pretty cool. I appreciate that. Good. Well, we, we wish you and your family the best. Please do stay safe over there. And um, listen, we can't wait for you, wait to see how you get on next season. Cause if you, make more strides uh literally and figuratively then it's going to be a great season for you so you know all the best for next season drew and thank you so much uh for the time cheers awesome. drew, yeah man. yeah thanks for having me yeah you guys stay safe over there well there we go that was drew sample hope you enjoyed that interview and um what a nice man indeed uh nathan he was uh, really lovely to talk to 
And I have to say, really honest about the team and what he has to do to improve and uh, and what he has to do to become a, a real top-level tight end in this league. I, I enjoy talking to Drew a lot, actually. Yeah, very smart, charismatic young man that um, I think took a good step forward this year and hopefully can take another step forward um, as he moves into next year. So really good interview. Really, like, really like came across jovial, fun guy that is like, you know, works hard. So I'm excited to see what he's got as we move forward into next season. And I think having him and CJ um, next year will be great for Joe Burrow and hopefully he can keep that chemistry together in the off season and, and build on that um, for next season. So yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, indeed. Yeah, anything that, that stood out for you, what he said? I mean, I mean, we've had a couple of three players now, as we mentioned uh, in that interview with Drew, DJ Reader and CJ uh, Uzama. Both of those guys, I mean, every player that we've had has been fantastic and really, really, you know, fun. Um, uh, but the last couple we've had are just it's like, yeah, we've got some good guys on our team, man. This is great. Yeah, they're all top lads and they're all very, very honest and open about their desire to keep Zach and they've all talked very positively about him. And I think as a fan, mm. if you've got any doubts about Zach Taylor, and there'll be a lot of people out there that do um, after the last two years, but you can see that the players, are, they're not, it doesn't feel like media talk. It doesn't feel like rehearsed sort of, let's not throw him under the bus. It does feel genuine that they do like him. His door's always open. He's a player's coach and they want to win for him. I think that's come across in every single interview that we've had. And that's fantastic. Obviously the results have got to come and the proof is in the pudding as you would, but I think their, their defense of him and their support of him is encouraging and it's not hopefully going to be an issue moving forward um, in terms of the locker room or you know people not believing in him or having any problems in him uh, with him. So that's something certainly that I think if anyone is worried about that, that it puts your mind at rest a little bit. Still so much on Zach, you know, mm. you can't just be a nice guy and get along with the players. And no, that is enough. To You've got to yeah. win games. But of course, you know, that's obviously a good start and something that's great to hear. Indeed. Uh, many thanks to Drew for coming on and just being a good sport and a, a generally uh, lovely guy and good to talk to. So thank you to him. Now, we've got some, uh, as ever, we've got some um, correspondence to get through. I'll put it out there this afternoon. Asked uh, our followers uh, what they thought about the championship games, what we might need to get to the Chiefs level and any other stuff that they want to talk about and get get off their chest. So uh, let's run through those, shall we? Peter Dadswell at Dadders says, walk before you try and run. Build a team to get to the postseason and win a wildcard game. Building a championship team to achieve the Super Bowl in one season rarely works. Focus on strengthening the lines, O-line and D-line. I, I, I must say, I absolutely agree with that because um, a lot of People are coming out and saying you've got to get playmakers on the offense. This is what where the league is right now. Uh, I want the team to draft Jamar Chase if Penny Saul isn't there. I've decided that I'm going to be calling him Penny from now on. Um, yeah, Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith or even Kyle Pitts. That's what we want in the first round. These are the playmakers that will get us to the next level. I, I think that's a really valid argument, but I tend to take a, a slightly different uh, approach. I do, like, as I mentioned last week, we've got two really good 
receivers on our team already in T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Uh, we've got Auden Tate coming back. We've got Drew Sample, obviously, and we've got CJ Uzama. Um, yeah, I don't. Well, I, I'm no disrespect to Auden Tate whatsoever. He's obviously. A talented I know. I'm player. just mentioning because but, he's part. Of no, the no. Team, I mean, you know. I, I don't think we can sit there and say that he's done enough yet to be our third. Uh, no, no, wide receiver. no. I think not there yet. was various times he was inactive last year and. He's a healthy scratch. I know he got a few injuries at the end, but this is a guy that in his career has got one touchdown. Um, and I think that we do need, if there was to be, like I said before, if there's to be an injury to someone like T Higgins, you've got absolutely nothing in terms of speed to sort of stretch that yeah, field. Yeah, no, and I absolutely so- agree. But I'm, I'm going to say this. I think I think the focus should be on the lines because you can get uh, some decent value on wide receivers in rounds three and four, you know. Um so yeah, that's my approach. I think we we focus too heavily on skill position players in the past five years, and not enough attention has gone to the trenches. So I want, and also, if you're giving, we've seen this with Tom Brady in New England. We've seen this last night in uh, with Green Bay to some extent. We've seen it with Josh Allen and Cole Beasley and all those sort of guys. Who are good players, obviously, but if you give your quarterback an extra one, two, even three seconds in the pocket, and a quarterback with the accuracy and poise of Joe Burrow, if you give him that extra amount of time, and we saw what happened when he was given a little bit of time when the offensive line did stand up last year, he, you know, any receiver is going to get open for you down the field, you know what I mean? So, I, I, yes, I think, you know, speed is needed. Some new targets needed. Let's hope they sign someone in free agency. Let's hope they draft someone. But I, I just want that offensive line to be sorted, man. No, I completely agree, man. I, I think that you've got to look at almost where the best value comes from either way. You can yeah, fix yeah. both positions. You probably need to get a wide receiver that needs to be a talented, quick wide receiver that either through the draft in the form of someone like a Jamar Chase or through free agency with someone like a Curtis Samuel, Marvin Jones, yeah. or whoever that might be. Um, but I think if there's wherever you get the most value, if you can, if you feel like you can get a good quality offensive lineman in free agency that works out to be good value for money, then do that. Obviously, if Penny Saul's there in the draft, I, I think that's going to be really yeah, difficult yeah. to Depends, turn him down at number five. Um, I'd say probably 50-50 is there. Um, but I think if he's not, there's still some fantastic players. Chase, obviously, with his chemistry with Burrow, mm-hmm. he's a very young lad, a lot of potentials, taking a year out, so he's going to be raring to go. Um, I'd be very excited. And I, I, I fully, fully agree with you. We cannot um, overlook the trenches. It's an integral part of the game. Uh, maybe not the sexiest thing in the world, but ultimately so, so important to the other pieces working. So, yeah, it, it's something that we cannot overlook, but would be fantastic to have a playmaker like Chase or Smith at five that hopefully would be a quality player for this offense for the next 10 to 15 years, a bit like AJ Green. 100%. But Terrace Marshall in round three, I'm saying it now. There you go. Uh, right. Uh, Acer shoots at Acer shoots. Uh, I can picture Burrow walking onto the same field as Mahomes or Allen to face off in a playoff game a few years from now. Not sure if I can see Zach Taylor standing across from some of the coaches we saw this weekend, though. It'd be nice if he was, though, don't you think? Um, Yeah, I mean, who's to say? If we build this team correctly, plug in some holes, draft some great young players, 
I do, you know, I do think, as Drew said, the future is bright. And if they can just get consistent, that's the key. That is the key. And I think that was the biggest thing that I took from Drew's interview. Um, I agreed with the with the fact that there was not enough consistency. And we saw it, we see it with the playoff teams. You know, they can, they're very comfortable in their schemes. They know exactly what they're doing and they can execute play after play after play. Uh, that's something that we haven't been doing the past couple of years. Um, Donnie at Ippy Don. Um, I'm sure you will discuss this at some point anyway, but thoughts on Green Bay going for a field goal at that stage of the game. Great game to watch as a neutral. Before I was a Packers fan, I'd be very glum. Felt they had lots of opportunities to get points on the board that they didn't take. It's interesting with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we discussed that earlier in the podcast about sort of the rationale behind it. I think we both agree it would be we would maybe on the side that it wasn't as bad as a decision as being made out. But one thing always interesting with Aaron Rodgers is how good of a player he is, Hall of Famer, no doubt. He has only been to one Super Bowl, and he I think it last night he fell to one and four in the NFC title game. And interesting that he's just struggled to get over that. Um, bump because they were the big favourites last night. The Packers at home. You got the fans in Lambeau making some noise, and surprising for me that he's only been to one Super Bowl and obviously getting on a bit himself now. So interesting to see how much more he's got left. Yeah, I I really uh, I agree with that. Um, sorry, I'm just reading a question. I was taking notice of you, honestly. Uh, Jamie at Trequart Beaster after. Kevin King's disaster class last night. What is the worst single individual performance you've ever seen in a Bengals game? <laughs> <laughs> I remember Ifayani or Haleti get absolutely mullered in a game against the Colts. Brandon Stokely had him on toast. I think cornerback is almost like the goalkeeper of uh, of of. Um, of a, an NFL team because any mistake that you make is going to be so exposed and amplified, you know, and poor old Kevin King's uh, performance last night, especially on that touchdown with like seconds to go in that first half. What was he playing at? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it's a difficult one that, isn't it? Um one that stands out is your mate Jordan Evans. I'm sure it was Jordan, Jordan Evans. Evans. If it wasn't him, then I apologise to Jordan. But it was against the Steelers. <laughs> he might when be Matt was going out of bounds, and he didn't. He thought he was going out yeah, of bounds, just left him, didn't touch him, and then just the geezer carried on running straight to the end zone. I think for one play, that's one of the worst um, plays in a game that I've seen. It would have just been so easy to just basically push him out of bounds rather than give up the touchdown. But for a whole game. Oh, I mean, Andy Dalton had some bad games, didn't he, back in the day at quarterback in those playoff games in particular. But, um, yeah, that would be hard for me to pick out just one. Now, I'm going to go with, I mean, there's been a few performances. This, you could say the offensive line uh, in the early days when uh, uh, Joe Boy was getting smacked around a bit and sacked far too often. There's some... Uh, fairly poor performances early in the season. Um, you could say, you know, LeSean Sims. I hate to pick on players, but, you know, LeSean Sims. And that game that uh, Tony Brown came in, he got an absolute roasting, didn't he? Um, you could say, like, the Jeremy Hill fumble, Devontae's perfect. Do you, uh, do you know hit. what? This is going to be hugely controversial Go and on. popular. Go on. But I'm just going to go in there. 
I thought, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, <laughs> Go on. but I thought AJ Green had some shocking games this year. I thought for him being paid 17 million with a franchise tag, I thought he was really, really poor. Wow. For, for what you expect from someone, there was some games this season, I don't know if he was playing hurt and not really sort of making much of that, but he was an absolute shadow at times of the player that we once knew. And I, I do think that there were some games this year where he just couldn't get any separation. There were some drops. Um, even they were, you could tell they were forcing the ball to him and he was visibly frustrated and his body language wasn't great. And for the player that we know and the quality to which he can play too in the past, mm. um, a sort of pro bowl, borderline all pro level, I just was, I thought for him, certainly for his standards, it was some of the worst games I've ever seen of him this year. I'm going to tear down another icon, uh, beloved Bengals fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for Andy Dalton. I did research this. Um, I'm going to go for 2014's loss to the Browns uh, on Thursday night, prime time, 24-3. Oh, yeah. Dalton finished 10 of 33 for 86 yards and a rating of 2. Um, <laughs> and according to one stats maker... It marked just the fifth time since 1960 that a quarterback who attempted 30 passes or more in a game finished with a two rating or less. Lord of mercy. I would also say um, some of Terrell Austin's game planning when he was here at defensive coordinator, there there was some historically bad games. Alas, I am not Jay Morrison, so I don't have stats coming out of my ears, so I can't give you them. But, yeah, certainly an interesting question, uh, Jamie. You hate to kind of pick on plays, don't you? But Kevin King did have a disaster class, as you as you said last night, or one game that he will want to forget if he is <laughs> retained on the Packers next season. The, uh, the axe might be falling uh, at some point soon. Uh, Leanne Fitzpatrick at LK underscore Fitzpatrick. Uh, hello, Leanne. Nice to hear from you again. Personally, a bit disappointed with the outcome of the games this weekend. As a neutral, Rogers versus Allen is something new. How do you best the Chiefs? You don't try to beat them at their game. You play your own solidly and don't get drawn into a Madden game. Examples. Browns getting away from the running game and Mayfield having to throw deep shots. How do the Bengals get to that level? Number one, protect Joe Burrow. Number two, protect Joe Burrow. Number three, for the love of all things, holy protect Joe Burrow. That's got to be that's our last tweet, and that's got to be the tweet of the night, hasn't it? Really, that's uh, I can't disagree with anything uh, uh, in that. Tweet from Leanne. I think uh, I think that's what you got to do. You got to stay true to your own game. You've got to impose your game onto the opposition and make sure you don't get out of uh, out of your own comfort zone too much. You know, don't make the the game too too outside of what you do. You know, don't reach. But then again, it's easier said than it, done, isn't it? It's, it's an interesting point, just sort of following on from Leanne's message a little bit, um, as to what our old friend Jeff Hobson said on his mailbag on the Bengals.com website. Yeah. 
Um, he was talking about how do you protect Joe Burrow, sort of following on from that theme. And he was saying that Joe Burrow's, yeah, the Bengals didn't necessarily need to go out there and pay a high value um, offensive lineman in free agency or draft one too high in the draft because the best way of protecting Joe Burrow was to run the ball effectively. And that was the way that you protect him. And he got hammered for that comment a bit from a few Bengals fans on Twitter saying, oh, no, you know, we need to sort of, you know, we definitely need to get a big uh, value signing in and stuff. And I think that there's truth to both. Um, I do think that we probably we need to get some players in. I think we, whether it be through the draft, high up in the draft or through free agency. But I think he makes a good point that you cannot just fall into this trap of this ultra-aggressive throw-the-ball-55-times-a-game-and-try-and-win because it's it's the way that everything's trending towards now. And, I, you know, it's easy to get down that line when you've got someone like Joe Burrow who's more than capable of doing it and he'll do you a good job. But I just think you cannot overlook that run game. We've got Joe Mixon. We've paid Joe Mixon a lot of money. You've got Gio Bernard, who's a very, very good number two. If you can run the ball effectively, set up the play actions and have a balanced offense, sometimes that could just be so much more effective because running the ball is so much less risky. You're not going to turn the ball over and horrible field positions. And, you know, you're probably less likely to get sort of fumbles with people catching the ball and trying to turn quickly and losing it like last night's example. So I really think that if we were to be more balanced, not have to get Joe Burrow dropping back 50, 55 times a game. And naturally, when you do that, you're going to get sacked a lot. You're going to take more hits. You're going to get more wear and tear on you, as he did last year, up until he got, um, obviously, the, the season-ending knee injury. So I really think that, again, it's not the sexiest thing in the world. But I think if we can run the ball more effectively next year and pick up those five or six yards on first downs, or open the playbook up mm, a bit, mm. that is a way that we can be a more effective offense rather than just getting a Jamar Chase in the draft, tooling up wherever we can and just tossing it around for 400 yards a game and ultimately not always going to win. So, yeah, I, I think that run the ball. Go back old school. I, I'm turned, The older I get, son, I'm just going back to this old school Marvin <laughs> in me, you know, just, you know, AFC North, get Jamal, get Jamal Lewis in, grind it out, four and a half yards of carry, you know. Mm. That's what I'm going back to. Kick, yeah, I loving the kicking of field goals, you know, never going for it on fourth down, <laughs> playing, playing the field position game, you know, yeah. more than happy to punt it, you know, keep, keep pinning them in deep. Just even defense. if we get into down to their 30-yard line, you want to punt it, don't you? No, no field I don't goals. Think you risk, if you miss field goals, you, know, you know, you don't want to, um, you know, risk the uh, losing the field position. I'm more than happy punting it. Anything from the 30 onwards, son, I'm punting. <laughs> I, I don't disagree about the running game. We've got Joe Mixon, as you say. We've got Gio Bernard. We're paying them a lot of money. Uh, and they're very talented guys, you know, so why not? And it takes the pressure off Burrow. It, it allows Zach to get more of his beloved play action into the into the, into the the scheme, really. Um, and plus, it, it you know, it allows you to control the game and it puts your opponent on the back foot a little bit, you know. Um so yeah, as ever, it's a mixture of both, and you saw that last night with the, even with Kansas City. Yes, the big plays came from, from uh, people like Kelsey and Hill and uh, Miko Hardman and those guys. But you know, uh, a couple of games ago, they decided to run it down someone's throat uh, unexpectedly, and it worked. And so you've got to have a balanced offense, and actually, you've got to have a balanced draft as well there's got to be some defense in there you've got to have some high value positions like cornerback and yada 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 it might not be to everyone's taste who is screaming for a an offensive playmaker but 
Yeah, I, I, I would actually advocate going quite conservative in this draft and just making sure you get the trenches sorted. I must say that Uncle Jeff is coming under a bit of fire for his thoughts on uh, drafting defense high in this uh, in this upcoming draft. But you know what? Opinions are uh, what makes the world go around. Uh, you do. I mean, just just to th- finish off on that point yes. really quickly. He's got a point with defence because, I mean, it's obviously you've got Joe Burrows, the leader of this franchise, but with losing Carlos Dunlap to the Seahawks, yeah. it's questionable at best whether Gino will be back with us. You do struggle across that. Obviously, Carl Lawson, we don't know. William Jackson, we don't know either. So, apart from, you'd say, DJ Readers, probably the sort of big name on that defence, but there, mm. he's lacking, you know, the real star power. We know we've got, like, a try-hard guy who, you know, works very hard in Sam Hubbard, who's a good player, but... Yeah. You do feel like we lack those quality um, starters, we don't, like we don't, Pro Bowl yeah. level players that are going to take us to Just the next li- level. It, yeah, exactly. It lifts everyone. It gives the uh, defense a bit of sizzle, a bit of nastiness. Again, you look at the mm. books. Shaq Barrett last night was terrific. You look at the impact JPP. Chase Young had. I yeah, mean, I know yeah, people yeah. obviously last year were saying, "Obviously, you know, take Joe Burrow over Chase Young." But Chase Young looked absolutely phenomenal in his rookie year, and I don't doubt that he's going to be like the sort of impact player that JJ Watt's been. And you just see for a whole team how much impact yeah, yeah. a player like that can have, both both emotionally and obviously just on the field in terms of production. So, if we could get, I mean, we're picking five. You are going to have quality players like that available that could end up being future stars in this league, and. If it comes down to the trenches and you've got an absolute brute of a defensive lineman that's going to win you games and cause problems and turn the ball over and lift everyone else, make make life easier for people like DJ Reader and Sam Hubbard, then you know if the player's there, I'm all for it as well. Yep, I agree with you, Nathan. It should be very interesting. We've got the Super Bowl in two weeks, and then well, actually, we've got the Senior Bowl next week. So look out for our first mock draft of uh, the the off-season after the, the post-Senior Bowl mock draft. Uh, we'll let you know about that next week. We might even get uh, Andrew Dockerell, uh, sort of mock draft person, to come on and have a little bit of a chat. Um, what else can I tell you? Well, we are going to have a Super Bowl uh, tailgate, an online tailgate. I hope you all enjoyed those last, uh, last year and throughout the season. We're going to have another one, uh, especially for the... Um, for the Super Bowl, we're going to have it uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. It's going to be an extended tailgate. We've got some terrific guests. I'm happy to say that former Bengals linebacker Mad Joe Kelly will be joining us uh, uh, on the tailgate uh, with more guests to uh, be confirmed. But as ever, we'll have food, we'll have live music, we'll have guests, we'll have fun, we'll have games all to put you in the mood for the big game itself. And then afterwards, uh, throughout the off-season, we've got a full programme of things to at least try and keep you entertained. I know things are pretty bleak at the moment. And uh, let's face it, they're going to be quite bleak for a little while uh, to go. So uh, we had made a bit of a decision to keep on going with with all our stuff pretty much and even increase stuff uh, just because the the response to, to what we've been doing in the past year has been so fantastic and people have actually asked us to carry on. Uh, it, it helps them during lockdown and no doubt it helps us um, during lockdown because what else are we going to do? And we like talking to you guys out there and we like talking amongst ourselves and we like talking about Bengal stuff. It helps to 
kill some time and uh, also keep our minds occupied with other things uh, that are more fun. Um, so full details will be forthcoming, but do put that in your diary. We're going to be uh, uh, live streaming our online tailgate on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, so until next week, uh, it's time for me to say it's a who day from me and a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.